It's time for Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And here is your host, Inside Towers business editor, John Celentano. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for part two of our in-depth discussion on fiber applications and telecom. With me again today are Mike D, Senior Field Engineer, and Jeff Harmon, Senior Systems Engineer at Biavi, and Scott Jackson, a National Market Manager with Graybar. Gentlemen, good to have you back on Tower Talks. In, in part one, we covered a high-level view of fiber optic technology and fiber terminology, the current market environment and outlook, and how fiber is adapted for use in different parts of the telecom network. Today, we want to get into specific fiber uses in the wireless network. And we know from the makeup of the wireless network that there's a, a wide variety of applications, but uh, give us a, an understanding of the different types of fiber configurations and fiber cables that are used at different parts of the network. Let's start with you know, the commonly uh, recognized mac macro cells. These are the uh, macro sites, the big towers. Uh, usually there are several carriers stacked up on these towers. And uh, so how does fiber play into an installation like that? Okay. Great, Scott, uh, kind of start this off and set the tone, hand off the Biavi. So let's just break it down to two segments, right? To your point, you got the big tower locations, the macro sites. Now the contractor that is used to the towers are now going into the micro site, which is the edge of the network. Because remember, 5G is shorter radios, longer fiber optic cables. So now you're at the edge, so it's a small cell. It might be on a light pole right? These smart poles that are do lighting, or it may just be a smart pole. It could be on the edge of a building. It could be wherever it's at. So what's important to think about, here, here's a contractor that has dealt at a tower, and you are very specialized. And maybe you've minimally went into vaults and everything else, but now you're in the bigger outside plant architecture. Now you're going into a carrier's network, and you're looking at, you got a lot of touch points. So now you're going into a vault, you're going underground, maybe at the end, at the bottom of a pole, or maybe you're climbing up a pole, like a regular utility pole or a smart pole now, and you're dealing with fiber instead of at the tower. Now you got fiber entrance cabinets or fiber distribution hub type cabinets. You've got underground vaults, as I mentioned, and so now you're dealing with fiber, and then you're taking fiber the last mile to that micro small cell site. You've just created a bunch of potential fail points. So testing and splicing correctly or knowing that you spliced it correctly and all those principles come into are huge before you sign off and move on to the next site, right? It's very critical in your standard operating procedures. So that would be the setup as we go into the details and that would be the obvi. And so I hand it back off to those folks. So if we talk about installation to the macro site, many years ago, the first time I went to a tower, I knew a contractor, knew him well, worked with him. This was my first tower shot. We we're gonna shoot up the, the tower and our mapping software labels it out according to what's on the tower. Here's the base station and the launch cable. Here's a bottom distribution box. Here's a top distribution box and you reach the RU. It was my first time ever, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm scared. I never shot up a tower. And he said, fiber is fiber. And after that, I was just kind of joking that I was scared, but I was a little nervous. I was like, eh, he's right. So if we came for the additional spaces, enterprise, telco, 
cable, we have underground, which is horizontal, and we have aerial from pole to pole, which is horizontal, and now the stuff is going straight up a pole. So the macrosite is still fiber. It's outdoor stuff now, and then we have different units, but if we have a bottom distribution or a top distribution box, commonly called a ray cap, there might be lightning surge protectors in there, but it's still just a physical point. Then we go up a tower where you have different sectors. So if we've got 12 fibers in the bottom or 24, we got to take them out to the right sector. So all that stuff still applies. No single mode to multi-mode mismatches. UPC got to go to UPC, no UPC, APC mismatches. Correct connector. I can come out to shoot up that tower and maybe I'm a cable or telco guy with a SAM chart of UPC or APC. Now I can't test because I didn't know towers typically have LC UPC. Then we have the nomenclature, RU at the top, BBU at the bottom. It's all in outdoor stuff. So our traditional tests still apply. It's just now it's in an outdoor vertical environment. The other thing when we go to the towers is I said it was a T1 copper backhole for a long time. We got, I call them metal connectors, right? I'm not a copper guy like Jeff is. I cut all my grounds off because I don't even know what copper is, right? Fiber, we don't need a ground per se, it's glass. So that's my, my joke. But now when we go and give these metal people fiber for the first time, you want an acronym, I call it the IROPI, increased responsibility without pay increase. So if you're a metal connector, you drop it in the mud, wipe it on your shirt, plug it in. The old Bantam cable, my daughter could jump rope it, hopscotch it, wipe it on my shirt, drop it in the mud, plug it in. Electricity flows through metal on metal. But now we go to glass. And if we can have problems on our windshield, mirror, eyeball glasses, windows, then we can have problem on what I effectively call invisible glass. Because Jeff said it's one-tenth the size of a human hair. So when we see people get the IROPI, and it's commonly cable TV to PON, telco to PON, or metal RF folks to fiber. I've seen a 50% failure rate, a 50% failure rate, and a 45% failure rate, and a 40% failure rate. And all of these are national type of companies that we see on the TV. So we got to handle fiber like we do in all applications. And that means install it properly, make sure it's clean and connected properly and test it properly. Our fiber runs at these big towers. Are they generally one piece or is it segmented and you have connector boxes have part way up or it depends on the, the height. I mean, presumably you could run a cable from the ground all the way to the, the junction box at the, at the platform where the antennas are, but. Uh, so it depends on the provider. My record is a 400 footer. Uh, maybe they're bigger out there, but, but that was a big giant one. And some providers will have a, in, in the traditional telecom space, we might call it a patch panel, a optical distribution frame. So they have the distribution panels as well. Ray Cap's mm -hmm. a big name, mm -hmm. but we'll either see it at the top only and some have one at the top and some have one at the bottom. So typically on the tower, if it's pre-terminated, we won't see any splices, but even if they splice, they'll splice the connectors on right at the end. 
So it's not like we're gonna see a splice in the middle of the span. The splices are done right at the connector, so we don't even see the splices. So going up the tower, compared to a traditional long haul fiber, we see connector, 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 connector. Mm -hmm. And we don't see splices at 200 feet halfway up the tower. Yeah, what's that like uh, when you're 200 feet in the air with a, a breeze blowing? Well, I know they move and I didn't realize how hard it was. Uh, folks got to take a break. Uh, one day I was like, how do I know what's going on up there if I'm not up there? And well, it was a joke because that's what an OTDR does. I know exactly what's going on up top. And they said they were going to strap me in so because they were a certified trainer and I could climb with them. After that, I had a bad sciatica. My back hurt. So I, I didn't mess with those guys. And they tell me a lot of them again go up to the top for the first time. I call them sidearms or yard arms like on a ship. You go now you just get to the top and you got to go across a little couple inch metal bar let go with your two hands hang by your strap and then use tools to install stuff mm -hmm. and work and and test mm -hmm. so that's that's a fear that i don't want to do anymore mm -hmm. yeah scott what i what i would say to all that what's interesting so the carriers and the fiber optic manufacturers have partnered up to take fiber as far up the tower and it applies in the microsite small cell site as well because we all play by the same laws of physics. And we know if they could ever get glass to receive a signal, it would change the world overnight, right? But they can't. So it has to be converted into the coaxial or the copper of some sort, right? And if you can keep that as short a distance as possible, you get more bandwidth on short sure. distances, right? Sure. So they've taken fiber deeper or higher up the up and deeper out into the network as they possibly can to maximize the bandwidth. As it because once it gets to the fiber, it can transport theoretically terabits of information. And as Jeff said in our last session one, you know you're talking about CWDM and DWDM, and you're aggregating and you you got a lot of bandwidth with fiber. So that's also true as we have our access points at the small cell, they're going to take fiber as high up that pole as they possibly can to, to maximize the bandwidth, right? And then they're also sharing the different 5G access points, right? It's kind of a shared network. Mm -hmm. Each of them, I think, is 40 gigabits per second on each of them. They could be 200 feet apart uh, as short or not too much longer than that. And then people as they're transitioning from their mobile devices and whatever else. So that's important to note, right? You're working higher up a, a, a pole or a tower with fiber. You know, with small cells, we've, we've seen configurations where a, ser a, a series of small cells, say down a thoroughfare or down a street, can be strung together with a, an aerial fiber and power uh, line where you have drops at each site. That's a little different than kind of a home run to each site, right? So what kind of, uh, what kind of um, you know, installation considerations and testing consideration comes along when you move to small cells where you, you're trying to serve them in a cluster or a, a number of them at, 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 along the same path? So, John, if you ever attend one of my fiber presentations, they're all labeled Keep It Simple. Okay. Don't overcomplicate this. And I tell you know, technicians, you've worked at a tower before, correct? What was the main goal? To get that piece of glass installed from point A to point B. 
which means you do your fiber inspections, you do your fiber cleanings. So now we go to a small cell. So I'm not climbing a 150 foot or 200 foot tower, but we are going up a pole. We are going on the side of the building. What's changed? The size of the cell. What's changed in the fiber? Nothing. We still have that piece of glass that, or you know, we still have those fibers that we have to install. So we inspect them, we clean them, and we make sure that everything is done according to the um, according to the mop that's issued to you. And that's really a you know you can overcomplicate this, but it really comes down to the same thing. You're just installing fibers to different devices. Mm -hmm. And your testing, you know, your testing is the same thing, just different. You're just testing it in a different way. Are the, are the tests that are conducted, they tend to be the same? Yep. Yeah. So we're looking, we're looking for your loss up there. We're looking for, you know, reflections. We're looking for, if we're doing an OTDR shot, we're looking for something that's abnormal that we can pinpoint to say, hey, we're going to have a problem on this fiber. If you're the contractor installing that fiber, you know, did you do, did you install it correctly? Did you run the, the, the tests that were prescribed for that before you turn that fiber over to the, um, over to the service provider? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, Jeff brings up a really good point in a, from this perspective. So what I see in the industry and I've, you know, there, there's some gurus that have deployed fiber for years and they say, what's the standard operating procedure? Uh, what's the right way? Well, there's various different ways to do it, right? The right process. There's just a way. And the biggest recommendation I can make is that any contractor work with your splice people, your testers, such as Viavi, uh, among other entities, and develop the way for you. And you do it the same way every time. And you follow that procedure every single time. There's there's, there's probably three really good ways, and then there's 10 okay ways, right? But this, when we deploy fiber, you do this, 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 and this. And you get you need to, the, the thing where there's faults that happen when there's big restoration projects is where people got off of a standard operating procedure. No one right way or wrong, probably. Just make sure that there is a way, and you will avoid some of these problems. And it's critical you talk to your test equipment company, such as a Viavi, whoever the splice company you're using among other entities. And this is your way of doing it. That's what I would recommend because that's where we see a lot of faults and people have to go back and do redos at very expense at their expense. So you're I'm exactly done. right. If you're given a mop, a method and procedures, you are to follow that mop. As soon as you start deviating from it, oh, I can shortcut this or I can shortcut that. Guess what? Somebody's going to be back there behind you again. So those mops are written so that you follow them and you follow all the um, all the processes in there to get that install done right the first time. Here's an example of that for a macro tower or a macro site. I've seen a provider have a contractor put a loop back. So they do one OTDR trace, but they shoot up the transmit fiber, a loop back, brings the OTDR trace down the receive fiber. So they shoot one OTDR trace, but they cover two fibers. I've seen another contractor be told you shoot up transmit fiber and you shoot up receive fiber. And then I've seen another provider, they put a loop back at the top of the tower, but they don't OTDR, they do a source and they do a meter. So I'm not going to sway these giant multi-billion dollar companies on the method they want to test. 
But if they say, I'm doing one of these three things, then we say, here's how we can help you. But there's one example, right? One tower, at least three different ways to test it. Which is the right way. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, I, as I said earlier, the gurus that I know in the fiber optic world, and, and I got them all, I get people on panels. I do this all the time. And, and you know, I get the, the experts. And Mike D was on one of them with some of them. And you remember the guy gets up there and one of the three gurus said, what's the right or wrong way? I think I said earlier, no, there, it's the way. And there's probably a few good ways to do it. And then there's some mistakes not to do. And you kind of learn that, but just pick a way and do it the, that way every single time, because there's a lot of elements. So there's no wrong or right. Generally they'll tell you, they'll tell you there is a way and make sure you stick to that way, which is your mop as Jeff called it. And I'd call it an SLP, but whatever it's called in the end, whatever industry jargon of wireline or wireless. Do it the right, do it the right way to you and do it that way. So my two cents on it. So we're talking method procedure and, and standard operating procedure. What happens when you have two different contractors putting in different parts of the network? For example, you know, you have your tower contractors that are working on the tower. They're pulling the fiber up to this and the, uh, the junction box <laughs> and then connecting to the remote uh, radio heads and the antennas. And you may have a different contractor that's bringing the backhaul to the site. Is, is that a, a big deal? I mean, are there standard procedures for connecting between the two? Is it just at a patch panel or a connector panel that is the interface? Or do you find that there's potential for variances and, and, and problems because of the, maybe the different organizations have done it differently for their part of the fiber? Well, there's three different companies involved there, and I think that comes down to testing. And I've seen the same contractor company, one group runs the fiber up the tower, somebody else comes and puts some elements in, and then it's either their company or another company, and they just test. So we have multiple mm -hmm. parties, multiple people, multiple work groups, and even multiple companies. But if somebody runs a DMARC point, for the back hall and somebody else runs the front, front hall and then a cell technician comes in from the service provider there are three different companies right there mm -hmm. so now if we test then we know it's going to be fine whether one person one company did it or multiple people did it but even in my neighborhood we have fiber to the home and i walk to the, the around the neighborhood so i'll talk to the technicians and they're always like oh, the contractor messed up this fiber. And then I'm talking to the contractor. He's like, come here, look at this. Because I talked to him. He's like, you think that's my fault? Look what he did. So <laughs> finger pointing goes both ways many times. Right. Doesn't necessarily mean either finger is right. And the way to get around that is, is testing. So it's documented at the beginning that the span is fine, the traffic is fine, and then we can turn it up correctly the first time. Right. Well, we worked a lot of these issues out in the wireline side many years ago. Because remember when Fiber of the Home started blowing up, it was around 2006. And that's where you're hearing about people getting gigabit symmetrical landline data, right? So now we've moved into the, the same principles are happening now because of 5G. So 
in the wireline world, you have these massive contractors or what you call long haul contractors. And oftentimes they go in and they win a project and they'll sub out the last mile mm -hmm. to someone else. <clears throat> and sometimes they do it. And then the in network operator, and believe it or not, there's a lot of tier one to tier three network operators out there. And the cooperatives, electric cooperatives are the new entrants now. And a lot of municipals becoming their own network operator. And so the last mile, there became these last mile contractors and they kind of established themselves. Now we have a, the same things are getting worked out in the wireless world as we move to 5G because it's the same principle. The problem is where these last mile contractors have always went to a home. How do you go into a home? How, how, all these different things, especially with COVID, right? Going in when, with COVID, right? Hooking things up on the side of a, bo a box, an optical network terminal is what it's called there. So now we've moved in and we have tower erectors, which is right in their wheelhouse. And so it's new to them. And so a lot of things are going to kind of get worked out with some of these massive first deployments that come out and a lot of lessons learned, best practices. Um, I, I just think some of this will be worked out and then the big contractors are applying principles to wireline. And so I think there'll have to be really good communication. That's my Scott, you bring up a great point when you're talking about contractors and tier one, tier two, tier threes. I've worked with a lot of contractors that call me up and says, we just won this big contract from a big service provider and they're requiring us to have all this test equipment and we have to do all these tests and we've never had to do this before. We just want to do it our way. And I'm like, good luck with that. You're going to follow their, you're going to follow their mop. You're going to test the way they want, want it because they want to make sure if you have 144 count fiber, that service provider wants to make sure all 144 count is perfect. There's no issues. So when they pick up the next contractor's portion, maybe it's up to tower. Those have been tested properly. So people that get into doing contracting, they want to do it as cheap as possible. And they don't realize good test equipment can make this much simpler and much easier for them. Who, who does the testing or who takes responsibility for the end-to-end? -end? You know, if we have several contractors involved, they have their piece, they'll verify that their piece is working. It interconnects with the, the other contractor's piece. Is somebody overseeing the end-to-end -end performance and testing for that or uh, passing, uh, you know, um, uh, giving them a passing grade on that? Uh, how does that work? From what I see, usually there's a project manager from a given service provider that's okay. controlling all the different entities. Okay. And when they're done testing, they're going to get the report and they're going to comb through that report and they're going to make sure that all, however many fibers are exactly what they need from each one. Mm -hmm. It limits the finger pointing that, you know, that's going to come mm -hmm. into play if something does go wrong, but at least there's a report that, yes, they did test those fibers to their specs. Okay, good, good, good. Very good. Well, why don't we wrap up this uh, this session? Uh, any any final thoughts or, or closing remarks? Uh, the only thing I can say is if you're new to fiber and you're getting into fiber, the biggest thing is never assume if you take a fiber jumper out or never assume that your piece of equipment is clean. You always need to clean it and inspect those fibers. Plugging in a dirty fiber to one side now dirties both sides. It's going to create insertion loss and other issues. So taking the time to do it right up front saves you a lot of time in, you know, in the end. Excellent. Excellent point. 
why don't you uh, just give us the, your contact information so that if anyone wants more information, they can uh, reach out to you, your company or, or you as individuals. Uh, uh, Scott, wanna give us your, your coordinates. Scott Jackson, the Gray Bar. Um, my email address is scott.jackson at graybar.com and graybar is spelled G George R Robert A Adam Y Young B Boy A Adam R Robert. And I always do that because some people like to spell gray a couple different ways. So it's scott.jackson at graybar.com. Great. Thanks. And I'm at mike.dee at viavisolutions.com. Uh, Viavi is only spelled one way, Scott. And then you can also go to our webpage, viavisolutions.com. We have videos, white papers, app notes, posters, quick cards for products, and then also information for folks who have our testers. They call our technical assistance center and get assistance over the phone. Great. And Jeff Harmon, J-E-F-F dot Harmon, H-A-R-M-O-N, at viavisolutions.com. Great. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for, again, a good conversation, and thanks to everyone for sitting in on today's discussion. Uh, please join us uh, later on for Part 3. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.